0: Welcome to episode 570 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by TheDigitalMediaZone.com. I'm Josh Pollard.
1: And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games.
0: Hey, it's good to be back with you, Richard.
1: It is good to be back. We missed a week. We had some stuff going on last week. It was pretty busy. Yeah,
0: very busy week last week, unfortunately. So more news for us to cover this week. Uh, but also a little bit more time for us to get some listener feedback sent in to us at entertainment20 at com. So you can do the same for next week's episode and we'll have all the rest of our contact info at the end of the show.
1: All right. Well, I'll start us off with a message from Jeff. And Jeff says, one thing I thought you'd like to know, the Apple TV app on Roku doesn't keep your mid-show resume spot. You may think, This is a normal feature. So did I. But (laughs) not on the Roku TV. Time to migrate to Google TV. Hmm. Interesting. So I did not know this. Apparently, he found this out in the Roku forums. And, uh, you know, that Apple TV resume is... Really valuable. And it is something that Google TV does as well. Google TV also keeps track of where you were watching stuff. And it's my recollection that the Apple TV in Google TV also does the same thing. So surprising that that doesn't work on Roku. Hmm. Yeah. That might be foreshadowing. We're going to talk about other stuff that doesn't work on Roku later in the episode.
0: I I've I've not well, I don't think I've even tried this on, on Android TV, uh, because I typically finish the episodes. I don't I don't stop in the middle of an episode very often. But yeah, like this isn't something that I would ever even test. Like, doesn't every service just do this right. everywhere? <laughs> right. You would just
1: expect this, as he said. Oh absolutely. Yeah. Now, he finishes his message saying, Thanks for the channels info. I'm in the process of migrating from YouTube TV to Channels. Hmm, I wonder if that was because he's on Roku. All right, we'll talk more about that later.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting migration because YouTube TV is a paid streaming TV service. Channels is more of a roll-your-own DVR, potentially, for over-the-air content. So yep. that's a pretty big migration. But it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad he's liking channels. It is really nice. Yep. Cool. Well, we also got a message from Zach, and he said, listening to the Josh and Jen episode, Josh mentioned new things coming to Google TV, including the NVIDIA Shield. One thing that stood out to me was the ability to set a Google Photos album as the screensaver on the Shield, which doesn't make sense to me because – We've had our Google Photos set as our screensaver for years on the Shield. I went and looked how we were doing it and realized we've been using a free Android TV app called Photo Gallery and Screensaver, and he provided a link, and I'll make sure that link is in the show notes for all of you. He says it'll be nice when it's just built into the Shield, but even then it most likely won't have as many options as this app. You can link lots of different accounts beyond Google Photos. You can use videos and adjust all kinds of options like transitions, timing, and such. Anyway, just thought I'd mention it in case the new update takes a while to make it to the Shield. Thanks. Zach, this is awesome. I don't know why I never thought to look for an app to do this on, on my NVIDIA Shield. I I need to get this installed soon because it sounds really great. So thanks for sharing that, Zach.
1: What's interesting to me is I was confused by this discussion when Jen was on, because on Google TV built into Chromecast, this is already there. You already have the ability to select albums to display as your screensaver. And I thought, well, wait a minute, Google TV already does that. And that's true. My Google TV does that, but apparently yours does
0: not. No, I I think the only option I have is some of their stock photography stuff, Mm. which, I mean, they're pretty photos, but I don't really want to look at those. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, well, that is it for our listener feedback. Again, that email address is entertainment20 at... The digital media zone.com if you would like to send us some feedback for a future episode. Okay, so jumping into the video news. First up is from Plex. It's been a while since we've had a Plex story, but Plex is renaming a feature, but they're doing far more than just renaming it. So they, they've they had a feature called Sync for a while. It's, it's a Plex Pass only feature that allows you to sync or download, as you might think of it, content from your Plex server, whether that's movies, music, TV shows, whatever, to a mobile device. And and the typical use case here is you're going on vacation. Maybe you're getting on a plane. Maybe you've got a long road trip and you want to take a bunch of content with you. Or the other big use case uh, is it does support the ability to say, I want to subscribe to this TV show, and whenever new episodes of this TV show are recorded, put them on my mobile devices. This is great if you take public transit to work or something like that. So the the feature, as it's been known as Sync, has been around for a while, but it's not always been the most reliable. Also, the name sync is just kind of weird like if you if you see that in there you might go you might be thinking sync what sync the metadata doesn't it do that automatic like there's all sorts of things that could be syncing yeah so they're renaming it to downloads good so much more sense so much more sense all of this new work like i said it's more than just renaming a feature it's They've also put a ton of effort into radically overhauling the code base to make this a whole lot more reliable and to add in some extra features. Things have changed a lot on mobile devices since sync was first rolled out many, many years ago. Mobile devices can natively display lots more types of content and codecs and videos and and shows and, and audio files now than they used to be able to. So now if you set up Plex to download to your mobile devices, it will look to see what sorts of things your mobile device can play natively. And if it can play the file that you've already got on your Plex server, it'll just download that. It won't transcode it first. Now you might be thinking, well, hold on there, Josh, because I wanted it to transcode, because I wanted it to be a smaller file. I've got an iOS device that only gives me 64 gigs of storage or something criminally low in 2021. I need it to do some sort of conversion to make the file size smaller. All of those options are still there. You can absolutely still do that conversion downsampling process. to to make much smaller files on your mobile device. Of course, one of the problems with that in the past was that was a two-step process. First, it had to do all the conversion, and then once it was done, then it would start downloading to your device. Now it can basically do all of that at once. As soon as it starts doing the conversion, the transcoding, it starts downloading it to your device. So it's doing... All of it at once. It should take significantly shorter amounts of time to get content onto your mobile device. So, I think all of that's pretty great, Richard. You you've been a huge Plex fan uh, for a long, long time, and you you know pre pandemic traveled a lot. Did you use Sync or downloads all that often?
1: Yeah, all the time, and it was slow, slow, slow because it transcribed all the time. And I don't have a tight device. I have a device with a ton of space on it, specifically because I use it as a means of watching content when I'm traveling. So to me, the whole idea of having to transcode to bring content in just didn't make sense. So I'm really happy that this is going to be a faster process, a more reliable process, I think the one thing that I do like about this and that I'm glad they're keeping is that the name sync did imply that you could kind of subscribe to something and then it would automatically ensure that you always have the latest and greatest episodes down on your device when they're available. And that's a really valuable feature. So, Mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, call that auto download or whatever they call now. I'm happy to see that that's still available.
0: Absolutely. So one key thing to point out for anybody who's been using the the sync feature in the past, in, in, in the not too distant future, they haven't given us an actual date on this, but in the not too distant future, anything that you synced using the sync process is going to be removed from your mobile device. It's unfortunate that they have to do this migration this way, but Apparently they do, and it's going to wipe out anything that you've synced in the past. And so if you still want any of that content on your mobile device, you're going to have to download it through the downloads feature.
1: Yeah, okay, that's fair, because this is a whole new feature. We've gone through this before with guide settings and stuff like that.
0: Right, right. And then as, as one more, you know, last reminder of this, this is one of the the main features that you're getting if you pay for a Plex Pass. So if if this sounds awesome and you're not a Plex Pass subscriber, well, this might be the time. Well, actually, pro tip. If you're thinking of becoming a Plex Pass subscriber, maybe hold out just a little bit. It's November. Every business in the universe offers discounts on their stuff in the month of November. Yeah. So there might be a, a Plex Pass discount coming very, very soon.
1: Yeah, that's a really good idea. Also, considering that um, you know, coming this Black Friday, probably the only thing you're going to be able to buy on Friday on Black Friday on time are services. So, <laughs> this is something to keep in mind.
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: I want to call out that uh, we have some Plex news. We often talk about Plex. A couple of weeks ago on Chord Killers, they had some feedback from a listener saying, you don't talk about Plex enough. We talk about Plex all the time. I think next time I'm on Chord Killers, I need to remind them that we talk about Plex
0: all the time. <laughs> Shameless plug for our podcast. Absolutely. Like you should do that. All right. Well, our our next uh, video story, it's not a good one. This is the story that, that Richard was alluding to earlier. If... You like YouTube, or maybe you don't like it, but you feel like it's it's required because it kind of is. and you are a Roku fan. You might be in trouble if the, these two companies don't stop bickering with each other soon because the YouTube app is going to be removed from Roku in December. and I know what you might be thinking that like didn't didn't this already happen? Wasn't that just YouTube TV? Uh no, that 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 did happen. They they did remove YouTube TV from Roku earlier. That was like the warning shot and <laughs> now the nukes are coming out and YouTube will just be gone. Now, I the, the news to me seemed a little bit kind of conflicting here. It's it sounded like if you already have a Roku and you're You've already got the YouTube app installed. It'll still be there and still work. So maybe it's just if you don't have the YouTube app, you won't be able to install it after December. But in a lot of the things that I was reading, it kind of made it sound like this app is just going to disappear even if you already have it. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I don't know what to expect there. Uh, This is a good point for me to put in my usual disclaimer that I own stock in both of these companies. But man, this pisses me off. This is... Google flexing their muscles with Roku, who as a company has a different business model than other providers who offer boxes that make apps available. Roku expects to make money when their apps make money. And that's not necessarily palatable to all of the app-providing companies. And in this case, Google... Is the giant gorilla that kind of has the might to stand up to this and say, uh no, we're not doing this. Now, they did this already. They did this with Amazon. And eventually, they came to an agreement with Amazon where we got YouTube on Amazon. But you may have forgotten by now, YouTube didn't exist on the Fire TV. <laughs> as insane as that sounds. Right, right. I mean, you just think of it, but wait a minute, it's just an app. Why can't it just show up? Why can't it just be installed? But it is a source of revenue for Google. So Roku wants their cut. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. This, unfortunately, and certainly Jared and other pundits in the space that look at the uh, cord cutting market have commented on how Basically, now we are in the position of all of these app providers and boxes that put them on your TV now playing the same kind of games of chicken that you would see with carriers and content providers.
0: Right. Yep. Yeah, we, we've talked about that in the past because you see those exact same games of chicken between the Content providers and the online streaming TV providers, so yep, yeah, it, it's the exact same sort of situation. You're totally right, okay. Well, uh, maybe kind of just the last, final, absolute nail in the coffin of Locast. Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, sorry for another bad news story here, folks, but Locast has. Agreed to pay the thirty-two, maybe not agreed to pay. Um, <laughs> I mean, they were they were forced to pay uh, thirty-two million dollars to the broadcasters that sued them for you know, in in the words of the the broadcast companies, illegally pirating the the free over-the-air content to internet subscribers. Uh, they lost that suit, of course, and. Now they're paying up big time and have agreed to the permanent injunction against their service. So really, actually, goodbye to low caste. Although, as I was thinking more about this story tonight, Richard, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was thinking about how the judge's main argument against Lowcast, and and we both thought this was ridiculous, but his argument was, if if this service is a... Non-profit company, then they should not be using their money to expand the company to make which it available is, in other markets. Which is
1: just crap. That's like saying that the uh, the Red Cross should not provide services in areas where they don't already provide services because it would it would require them to take revenue that they've made through donations to do that. Right. That's just ridiculous.
0: It's absolutely ridiculous, but I did wonder: could could we just get like a bunch of small companies to do the same sort of thing in a nonprofit manner in each of these locations
1: and never expand? Each one of them is separate. Exactly. Yeah, that might be difficult from an infrastructure perspective, but uh, yeah, this is this whole thing is so frustrating to me. This. Mirrors, the whole situation that we went through with Aereo, we've talked about that in the past. That was the thing where they had tiny little antennas that they supposedly gave you direct access to and would give you the ability to stream content from that antenna. In that case, the Supreme Court actually weighed in. This one didn't get that far.
0: No. No, it didn't. All right. Well, one more quick video story here for you. We mentioned a few episodes back that Amazon was going to start selling their own TVs, the Amazon Fire Smart TVs. Those are now available. There are two different series. Uh, The 4 Series is the less expensive model, uh, comes in 43, 50, and 55 inches, so it doesn't get super big. The prices are dirt cheap, 370 bucks for the 43, 520 for the 55-inch. It's 4K. It does offer HDR10 and HLG, but it does not offer Dolby Vision. And that one has a voice remote that you can use for all of the Amazon Assistant controls that you could possibly want. The other model or other series that they offer is the Omni series. This is the higher-end version version. These are available in 43, 50, 55, 65, and 75-inch models, ranging from $410 on the small side all the way up to $1,100 for the 75-inch one. And the two main differences uh, between the Omni Series and the 4 Series is the Omni Series has microphones built in, so it's basically got like... Uh, I was trying to think of the name of the small Amazon Assistant device.
1: An Echo, a Dot.
0: Echo Dot, right. Yeah, think of it as having like an Echo Dot built in. It's still got a remote that you can use, of course, but you can just yell at your TV and it'll do all of the things that the Amazon Voices Assistant will do, including controlling the TV. The other differentiator is if you go for one of the two bigger sizes, the 65 or 75 inch then you get Dolby Vision, so you get you know a, a better HDR technology in those higher end TVs. In my opinion, still not sure that I would pick one of these. Uh, we don't know who's actually building these. We don't know who's making the panels. I, I think I'd ra- like if you're looking for an inexpensive TV, I think I'd still recommend a TCL, a Vizio, or a Hisense over any of these.
1: Yeah, I mean, what they're trying to offer is the integrated all-in-one solution. What I think we don't know yet is, are they doing what Roku did, which is to create an experience where your third-party attached devices actually integrate pretty seamlessly in that TV experience? We don't know what that looks like here. And I'm I'm curious to see that and experience that. This is clearly a swipe at Roku trying to get into the space that Roku has dominated with their TLC TVs and other uh, TVs that carry Roku on it, which are great. The only problem is that they use Roku. Oh, did I say that out loud? (laughs) Equally, admittedly, Amazon's experience is also controversial. Some people hate it, some people love it. So,
0: Right, right. The other thing that's While the the TVs are here, there's one more feature coming very soon to them. It's not there just yet. But AirPlay 2, for all of you Apple fans out there, is coming to these TVs very soon. So at least you get that.
1: Which makes sense. I don't think you create a TV today that doesn't have AirPlay 2 if it's a connected television.
0: Yeah, It, it seems like a required feature at this point. All right. And another quick follow-up, just like the last one. This is something we knew was coming. It's finally here. And that is Apple Music lossless functionality and Dolby Atmos spatial audio now work on the HomePod and HomePod mini devices. It's about time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you may remember the whole thing with Apple Music lossless was that why are you putting out this feature when none of your devices can take advantage of it?
0: Right, exactly.
1: So now they will.
0: None of the HomePods, none of the AirPods, no, none of the pods could do lossless. <laughs> none of the pods. <laughs> now, now at least some of the pods. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to some gaming news. And first up is... Uh, about a game streaming service that we don't talk a ton about. No, I'm not talking about Project xCloud. No, instead, it's GeForce Now. This is the one from NVIDIA, the, the service from the company that makes the graphics cards that are, if you have a gaming PC, you probably have an NVIDIA graphics card in it. Well, they've had their own streaming service for a while that, uh, basically allows you to play games that you already own on Steam or or things like that, um, and you can just stream them from the cloud. And they have introduced a new tier of their service that uses the RTX 3080 cards. So that's their second highest model line. They do technically have a 3090 video card that is... I mean, if if you think these other things are expensive, the thirty ninety is astronomically expensive. So thirty eighty is your basically, you know, that your normal person top of top top tier video card that uh, Nvidia makes. Well, if you are are willing to to pay for this increased tier of GeForce now, you're definitely going to get some some better functionality out of it. So you'll have 120 frames per second streaming. You can do 1440p native streaming on a PC. This still doesn't take you to 4K. Like Obviously, uh, an RTX 3080 card is perfectly capable of rendering 4K, but We're still talking about streaming 4K at this point, and yes, I know there are 4K streaming video services out there. This is a little different, so uh, that's not here yet, but 1440p, it's still a step up from 1080p. The other cool thing is that if you do have an NVIDIA Shield, you can stream in 4K and with HDR but not on a PC. So, the Nvidia Shield is the only one that will allow you to stream in 4K with HDR. It, it does require this 3080 tier though. Uh, also, on the Nvidia Shield, you're going to get 7.1 audio out of it, which is which is pretty cool. Uh if you're thinking, do do any of these other game streaming services offer 4K? Yeah, actually Stadia does uh mm-hmm uh Amazon Luna doesn't um Microsoft's cloud gaming doesn't do 4K yet Stadia does but before this they were the only ones doing it and it, you would be it, it would be perfectly understandable if you didn't know that because you forgot Stadia existed because <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know anybody who uses Stadia uh it, it doesn't seem like a service long for this world but Uh, It does apparently do 4K streaming. Okay, another story, and Richard is is looking at this going, how could there possibly be this many bullet points on this next one? But Netflix has now launched, or is, well, if if you're listening to us live, it's tomorrow. If you're not listening to us live, it's definitely available by now. Uh, Has launched their Netflix games app. And... You know, I I was going to call it a service, but it's not really a separate service. So Netflix bought a game studio. They've uh, licensed some other studios to make games with their properties. There are multiple Stranger Things games, for example, uh, that are all mobile games. And now if you have an Android device, an Android phone or an Android tablet, you're going to be able to download a Netflix games app and There are five games that are available on it from from Netflix, including two of those Stranger Things games. And the app is free. You don't have to pay anything to use it. There are no ads. There are no microtransactions. You just have to be a Netflix subscriber, which is, I don't know, it just feels weird. Like it's, It's not really like, I mean, when Microsoft released the Xbox Game Pass app, you had to be a Game Pass subscriber to use it. So it's not really that weird. It's just weird to think, yeah, to play these games, I have to log in with my Netflix streaming video account. It's just a weird disconnect in my brain. Maybe I'm just the weird one, but I think it's probably going to be kind of a weird disconnect for other people. But maybe not, because I went looking for this app on my phone tonight and couldn't find it. But I did find one of the the Stranger Things games, all of those games are still going to be available as standalone games on the Google Play Store they've already updated the games because the most recent uh, comments and reviews on the Stranger Things game were one star reviews saying, I don't know why this free game requires me to log into a Netflix account to play Right? Mm. because it's weird it's super Mm. weird so that's available now on Android. It's going to be coming to iOS at some point. It's really just said like the coming months. We don't know exactly when yet. Uh, and then it, it doesn't support game controllers yet either. So it, you're going to have to use touch controls, which you know most people are going to do anyway. Uh, the other thing is it'll work with like if you have multiple profiles on your Netflix account, this works just fine with all of those different profiles but not with kids profiles so and and i think that's partly because you know especially like the stranger things game like it's not exactly the most kid friendly game i don't know no. what it's rated but it's probably not e for everyone it's stranger things after all so r- interesting service i'm going to be real curious to see how this actually goes and whether it just leads to a crazy amount of one-star reviews for all of these games in the Play Store, or if people actually latch onto this as a, oh, cool, this is just another cool thing I get with my Netflix subscription.
1: Yeah, this is very strange. It seems weird coming from Netflix. I don't want people in the live stream to interpret my yawning as disinterest. I'm really interested in this. I have also, as a Netflix (laughs) stockholder, I have followed Netflix and its business model from way back in the day when you used to be able to rent and or buy discs from them. Like, I'm not talking the disc model that they still support now. You could actually just do a rental and then you returned it whenever or buy the disc from them or buy the one you rented from them if you wanted to. That's how they got their start. And at some point in time, they were actually kind of compared to GameSpot which did a similar thing for games where you could rent a game and then send it back. But this is different because it's mobile. I, to me, this strikes me as really unusual. If this were maybe on your console or, or on your PC, it, it might make more sense to me. But the fact that it's mobile games is what has me really puzzled.
0: Yeah uh i i think that most people think oh netflix is getting into games that must mean that i'm gonna be able to launch the netflix app on my tv and grab my bluetooth controller and play games for right but that is not what this is right right this is yeah this is strange it's a stranger thing maybe no oh was stretching that was so too far bad that, that was so bad yeah that, that wasn't great. okay, so let's move on to a service that does make a little more sense, and that's Xbox stuff. So xbox uh does have a new update, you know their their October update, although heck we're we're now into November, so maybe I'm a little late on this news. but this new update brings a couple of interesting things and one that I don't think is is maybe that interesting, but maybe surprising to others. The dashboard is now going to be rendered in 4K if you have a 4K TV. Okay, cool. I guess like I've got a 4K TV. I guess I want it to look better in 4K. I'm going to back up for a minute.
1: Why wasn't
0: it already? (laughs) That is the better question. I have no (laughs) idea. Unbelievable. Right. They've just been upscaling it for... And uh, how long, right? Because the Xbox One S supported 4K back in 2015. Is that when the Xbox One S came out? I think.
1: Uh, several that was six years, years ago. ago. Yeah, <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would think that it, at least the Series X and S, when they came out, would have supported a 4K dashboard and menus, but no, they didn't. But now they do. So hey, there's that. Uh, they've, they're also introducing a night mode, which is. Kind of interesting, like I think people are used to seeing these types of features on their phones or computers. This will uh allow you to do things like dim the screen when it's when it's dark in your room, add a blue light filter, uh, which is definitely good for your eyes, uh, and will help your sleep cycle if you're staring at a screen, you know, in, in the couple of hours before bed. Uh, so that's all good importantly like they've actually thought about these features uh it doesn't impact anything if you take a screenshot or record a video clip like it's not going to be you know orange tinted because you put the blue light filter on or anything like that it's going to record it normal uh so so that's good you can also schedule this by a, a time of day if you want or just by you know say at sunset start turning these features on so that's good i wonder how much it's actually going to get used cuz i don't know that i like i'm a big fan of these features on my phone and on my computer i don't know that i want this on my xbox like it hmm. seems like it might be kind of jarring i should try, i should give it a try and see but i don't i don't know that i want it messing with the way my games look and uh, whether that might impact some things and, and the visibility of some things yeah, that's I don't a know. good
1: point. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. To me, this just seems logical because I use this on all my devices for all my stuff. Now, I'm assuming that if I'm watching a movie on one of the devices that does this, that that movie is going to look normal. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's also tinted or, or blue has been removed from it. And similarly they'll do the same thing with games. With content, it's a really hard call. I think with the interface and with certain apps, it makes sense, but content is a hard call.
0: Yeah, like does Apple TV have this? Apple TV,
1: I don't know. I honestly don't know. It has a dark and a light mode. Mm -hmm. I think that is all that it does. I don't think that it actually dims because it's, it's already gone into a dark mode so you're not getting all of the white which includes the blue
0: light. Right. Right. Yeah, I'll I'll have to give this a, a try and and report back next week on on how it actually works and and maybe I'm misreading it and maybe it doesn't impact the games themselves, but it seems like it should for it to be truly useful. So uh I'll I'll give that a try and and I'll also try and and try it out with with a movie also whether that be through Netflix or with with a disc to see if it also does the same thing there. Uh one of the other things that's cool though if if you're using your Xbox as your your primary video player and you just hate the fact that the Xbox has a light up button on the front or that your controller has a light up button on it and you want your room you want your TV to be the only thing in your room that is projecting light. You can now use this functionality to turn off or dim those lights too, which like it's kind of a nerdy little niche feature, but I no, no, no. bet there's going to be some people that are pretty excited yeah, about Yeah, no, this. this
1: is a big deal. And I, I feel like every electronic device with some sort of power light needs to offer this to be able to dim or turn it off. My printer in my office which doubles as an occasional guest room with a pull-out sofa bed, the printer lights up the room. Like, you can just (laughs) see all over the place from the light for the power on my printer. It's ridiculous.
0: It's a nightlight provided by a printer. Yeah, it's
1: it's, way more than a nightlight. So that when
0: your guests wake up, they don't stub their toe trying to get (laughs) to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. I could have used one of them at the beach house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, a couple more quick ones. Uh, when when the Xbox, especially when the Series S was announced and only had 512 gigabytes of storage, we bemoan the fact that that's not nearly enough storage on, on modern-day video game consoles. And even the Series X with its one terabyte of storage isn't really enough. And so Seagate partnered with Xbox to offer a one-terabyte expansion card. Uh, there was... Kind of a propri- proprietary card that would slot into a special slot on the back of the Xbox um, that would not only I- expand it because you've you can also just hook up a massive USB hard drive if you want, but the difference is that if you use a regular USB hard drive, it's not going to be as fast. Like one of the cool things about the the new generation of of Xbox and PlayStation Five is that they use much faster NVMe-based storage drives on the internal storage. So the game load times are ridiculously fast. And so, sure, you can plug a 4-terabyte external hard drive into your Xbox, and you can still play Xbox One games off of it, but they're not going to be fast. With these uh, expansion cards from Seagate, it's the same sort of technology as what the internal storage has. So it's every bit as fast if you use these, but that means they're expensive. So maybe you didn't like the one terabyte one because it was too expensive. So now they've got a 512 gig expansion card. That's still $140 for 512 gigs of storage. Or you thought, no, the, the one terabyte, the, the cost of it was fine. It's that it still wasn't enough space. Well, they've got a two terabyte version that's coming in early December that is $400. That is $100 more than an Xbox Series S mm-hmm. console.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, <laughs> yep. That's bonkers. Wow.
0: That's a lot of money for storage. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be buying one of these. I'm I'm fine <laughs> shuffling games around. It's okay. <laughs> All right. And then the other quick one, uh, I, I don't normally talk about uh, the, the games that are coming to Xbox Game Pass, but November is a crazy awesome month for Game Pass. Today, Minecraft on PC was added to Game Pass. I thought this was available a long time ago. It's not. It's only been on... Xbox, for all of this time. It's now on PC, which my daughter is thrilled about because I got her a PC recently. And she's like, cool, let's play Minecraft. And then I went to it and install it and saw that it was $30. And I'm like, what? And then quickly read that it was coming to Game Pass. And I said, wait a week, and then I'll get you Minecraft. <laughs> uh, and then November 4th, It Takes to a game that I was just talking about a few episodes ago as being a really, really fun game co-op game to play that's you know included with game pass and then the biggest one next week november 9th forza horizon 5 comes out on game pass day one on game pass and then a couple days later grand theft auto san andreas is coming to to game pass this is part of the original grand theft auto 3 trilogy that they're remastering they're putting this one Game out of the trilogy on to Game Pass. So it's just a really, really great month for Xbox Game Pass. All right. Well, that is it for our gaming news. That's it for all of our news. So let's dig into what's going on in our entertainment centers. So, Richard, what have you been up to?
1: All right. Well, when I'm not watching election returns coming in, I have been trying to keep up with a couple of my favorite shows, which includes the morning show, which has been very good this season on Apple TV. Plus I've been trying to keep up, but not doing a very good job of staying up with new Amsterdam. This is the fourth and I think final season. And as best I can tell, they're just giving it a six arc arc run to, or six episode run to close out the story I'm glad to see that. It was a good series, and I'm disappointed to see it go because I've liked it. Also, what we do in the shadows. The season finale just aired this past Friday, and this season was so much fun. takes the show in an interesting direction because characters kind of go off in different directions. And I believe there is a season four, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with this. Been watching a bunch of John Oliver and Bill Maher for their different perspectives on the news. Also, I mentioned Mayor of Easttown. This is a show on HBO Max, I believe, that won a ton of the recent Emmys. And it's good. I had watched the first episode a couple of months ago, actually. And then I got back to it. I rewatched the first episode because it's slow. And there are six more after that. It's a seven episode series. It's like a miniseries. There's not another season. This is it. It is amazing. It is. It is rip your heart out good. It is so honest and awful and wonderful about life in this small Pennsylvania town where one of my where my closest friend in the world lives, uh, in Pennsylvania, not too far from where I grew up. And I highly, highly recommend it. I think it's just fantastic if you have HBO Max.
0: Is this a show I would like? It is a
1: murder mystery. So if you like long arc seasons uh, or, or, you know, series where a season is about solving a murder and it's based in a small town. I I think it's wonderful, but it's a hard watch. I mean, it's, it, so many people are affected by what happens in this town and it's just, it's, it's good, but it's a hard watch. So I don't know if it's something Jen might like.
0: Yeah. It sounds like probably not for Jen, but it, it sounds interesting to me. And my oldest daughter has been begging for HBO max so that she can watch pretty little liars. So
1: yeah, I would uh, not let her watch this with you. This is not
0: for children. (laughs) Right. Right. But she can be watching pretty little liars on the crappy TV while I watch this on the good TV. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. All right. Cool.
1: Also Disney insider is back. This is the series where there's just like 15 minutes and five minute, uh, spurts about different things going on in the world of Disney. So I'm excited to be uh, seeing that again. And then I watched the Lower Decks finale, been keeping up with Star Trek Lower Decks. I didn't know what to make of this series when it came out. It's an animated Star Trek series, and it partly makes fun of Star Trek, of course, because I believe it's actually created by the makers of Rick and Morty. So there's a lot of that irreverence built into the story. But there is so much good fan service in this show. They clearly care about feeding the fans of Star Trek stuff they're going to like and enjoy and laugh about. And the season finale of this, I think Tom Merritt really summarized it well in a recent episode of Cord Killers, where he talked about how... This wasn't, as far as he was concerned, an animated series episode of Star Trek. This was Star Trek at its best. This was such a good episode of Star Trek. It just happened to be animated. And I love that they pulled that off with this series because I never expected
0: that. Wow. Sharp Dressed yeah. Penguin wants to know in the chat if you've watched Star Trek Prodigy yet. He says it's definitely a kid show, but he's hooked. Have you watched I it? have not. I have not. So that's to?
1: something I will have to look into.
0: You will. You're a big Star Trek fan. You have to. I am. I am
1: indeed. All right. And two more things. Uh, we watched some movies. We watched Cruella, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. It was not at all what I expected. I think the actors in it were fantastic. I... Highly recommend this if you're familiar with the story and you like the 101 Dalmatian stories and you've watched any of the past movies. I just thought this was a lot of fun. And then a Halloween favorite. On Halloween, we watched Hocus Pocus also on the Disney Channel or rather on Disney Plus. And I don't know. I just I'm I love this film. I think it still holds up and I'm excited that there's going to be a sequel coming out, I think next year, including all the originals. So I'm very, very
0: happy about that. A sequel 30 years later.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we were wondering how they would do it, but actually at the end of the first film, they leave an opening. So uh, it'll be cool to see how they write this in. And then finally, I wanted to mention that while... I was away last month. One of the things that I was exposed to that I had never experienced before was a streaming radio service that a friend of mine was using constantly called Radio Paradise. And Radio Paradise plays, I don't know, these eclectic channels, these eclectic stations of streaming music that you can listen to. It's kind of like 90s progressive rock kind of stuff, or 90s alternative music. So it's stuff that I generally like, but I'd never really listened to this service before. What I thought was incredibly cool about it is that it's all web-based. So he would pull out his Android phone, pull this up on the web browser on his Android phone, stream through Chromecast to our TV, and it was on all day. And then he'd go out and he'd Walk the dog on the beach and do whatever else all day long. And this was still playing on the TV through Chromecast because it's just an address to a stream.
0: Right, right. Really cool. Hmm. Is Interesting. that a, a paid service? Nope. It's free. Are there ads? I don't know.
1: If there are, you were listening I didn't to it all day. Any.
0: You didn't notice the if there were ads?
1: <laughs> I didn't notice any. What I did notice. Is that it displays images behind the, uh, like information about the music that it's playing. And the images are, I guess, through some sort of algorithm eerily related to the subject matter of the song and the lyrics.
0: That's cool.
1: It is cool. Like when they're, when it's, Say talking, let's say it's a song that is talking about something in Ireland, because this was a real example. It was showing pictures of landscapes in Ireland, which just kind of like blew me away. And supposedly it's all automatic. It's all done by the algorithm. So I
0: I just opened up the website, which is hideous that this is a oh yeah it's a terrible not great website
1: oh no it's it's it's
0: ugly as anything but it's listener supported and always a hundred percent commercial free
1: all right there you go
0: and and right now it shows three different channels that you can yeah
1: that's to. it there's only three streams
0: yep That that's cool i might have to check this out tomorrow as like my my music for listening to while i work or something
1: there you go radio paradise free on the web
0: nice very nice
1: how about you? What have you been watching, listening to reading,
0: or, you know, quote reading? Oh, you know, I always forget about my audiobooks. Uh, so, uh, I'll, I'll bring those up cause I have been listening to one recently. Um, but on, on the gaming front, just some more call of duty and, and, and NHL hoping to get back to, uh, it takes two real soon. And then of course, uh, with Forza Horizon coming out soon, that'll be there. Uh, on, on the audio book side, I started listening to well, and pretty much finished uh, a book called The First Ninety Days. This is a like a classic business book um, written by Michael Watkins. Uh, it's for anybody who's in a new transition in their job, and I. Am because I started a new job last week, so uh, this was this has been helpful. It's a good tip if you're in any sort of transition, whether it's starting a new job or you've got a promotion or you've got a new manager to deal with or something like that. There's there's lots of good tips there if you're in any of those transitionary periods. So there's my book recommendation for the week, Uh, and then in terms of, of watching things, I did take one of our listeners advice and started watching Tehran on Apple TV. It is good. Um, I, I'm liking it more than I liked um, for all mankind. Although I didn't, I didn't watch that what is it? The third episode. I, I think that you said, yeah, you really got to watch the third episode of, of, for all mankind. I'll get back to it. I promise. I think I'm okay. going to finish, uh, Tehran first. It, it is a good show. It, it definitely piques my interest with, you know, um, hackers and spy type stuff and all that good stuff. So, uh, I, I do like it. That's, that's again on, on Apple TV. Um, and then also we upgraded our sling TV package. Um, you might be wondering like what what do you mean like why why did you even have sling tv josh you only buy sling tv during the playoffs that's true i buy sling tv blue during the nhl playoffs which were over months ago, and I Mm -hmm. just forgot to cancel it. No! They're (laughs) counting on that, you know. They absolutely are. I'm usually a lot better about it than I was this time. Uh, But that was Sling Blue, which is all the, like, NBC and Fox and stuff like that. That's not super useful to me anymore, except for maybe TNT, because all of the hockey rights changed. They're not on NBC anymore. Uh, TNT is getting some nationally televised games. ESPN's got the rest of it. And even that's only the, the nationally televised games, because ESPN Plus has just about everything. So, uh, but but the other thing that ESPN does have is college football. So, I had been thinking, eh, let's let's just upgrade this and include Orange. Just thinking of doing it, I waited, I mean, we're like seven weeks into college football at this point, and I just did it last week. But Jen and I were talking, and she was saying that she would really like to have the Hallmark channel. She's like, I don't care how you get it, I, d- I don't care, uh, just tell me how I can watch Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I can make that happen. And it's it's an add-on to Sling. So I upgraded us to uh, Sling Orange Plus Blue and threw in the package that includes the Hallmark Channel for a couple of months. Mm,
1: I might have to make fun of her about that at some point. <laughs>
0: She 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 likes her her easy mindless sort of happy stuff. So that's that's why she because like there's nothing easy or mindless about the rest of reality right now. So
1: yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's kind of like the opposite of lifetime movies, which is just like constant sadness.
0: Exactly. Exactly. This is like it's. Two people meet while Christmas shopping and fall in love and live life happily ever after. Like, that's every movie. Rinse um, and repeat. Exactly. So, sounds sounds pretty good to her. So, <laughs> that's what they're going to be watching on the weekends, I think. Um, and then, th- this isn't exactly, you know, entertainment center related, but, you know, mentioned that I got a new job. And if you follow me on Twitter, you've probably noticed a, a few tweets from me about this I've got a MacBook Pro now, so you know, uh, a year or so ago, I tried uh, switching to to Mac OS because I had a MacBook Pro that I always ran Windows on, and figured I'd give it a try, and it was fine. And I went back to Windows. Now I don't have a choice; like the the company sent me a MacBook Pro, so that's what I've got, and. It's okay. Like, I, I'm, I'm getting along with it fine. Um, there, there's definitely some things I like about it. There's definitely some things that I'm still a little bit frustrated by. I have to do a lot more clicking into Windows than I used to have to do in, in Windows. Um, I, you know, one of my tweets today is, you know, we we like to celebrate all of the really great integration between Apple devices. And we do because it is really impressive stuff. Like mm-hmm. I got to play with a, a friend's MacBook and an iPad and showed her, hey, you can like with just a couple of button clicks, set your iPad next to your MacBook and just make your iPad work as a second monitor for your MacBook. And she's like, really? And I showed her and it, you know, in like 30 seconds, we figured it out and it was awesome. But the problem is, if you get your MacBook from work, you're logged into that thing with your work Apple ID, and I'm logged into my iPad with my personal Apple ID, so stuff like that. And so many of these other integrations, like, uh, I imagine that's how the the messages app or whatever, Why why am I blanking on the name of it's not just messages, right? What's the yep. texting no, app called? It, it, it's messages. Is it just messages? Yeah. So, like, yep. being able to see your text messages on your Mac, like, I imagine that's the same way. You probably have to be signed in with using the yep. same Apple account. You do. So, this doesn't seem as cool in the business space. I don't mm. know. Right?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. That's, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I, I did see that tweet, and... It made me wonder which of the features depend on that. It would be an interesting survey to find out what you could do with, with you know what you could do without having the same account across the two devices. And honestly, I just don't know because I don't have that problem.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> All of your stuff belongs to you and you log into it with your own accounts.
1: Right, exactly. I work for me, so <laughs> I use my account when I log into my work. Yeah computer and
0: that that was the basically several of the responses that i got from people is well maybe you should just work for yourself and then you don't have these problems. <laughs> i guess that's an option um if i worked for myself i probably wouldn't buy a macbook but
1: oh ouch I oh. mean it's
0: fine uh i i do kind of hate the fact that uh i got this laptop that has Four Thunderbolt ports on it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I'm back in the dongle life and and looking to get a Thunderbolt dock so that I can, you know, more easily use all of my extra peripherals. But
1: Yep. Sateki. Get a Sateki uh, look into S-A-T-E-C-H-I. They create all kinds of different variations of mobile docking devices. I travel with mine and they're great.
0: Yeah, I got, uh, because I, I couldn't wait. So my very first day, um, I, I didn't even have a way to like hook the MacBook up to my monitor because it has HDMI or regular display port, and I didn't have any cables that would make that work. So um, I went to Best Buy that afternoon and got the cheapest adapter they had that had an HDMI thing on it and... Well, HDMI and USB, and so that worked because just one day of hunching over this thing had my my neck and back hurting. So, oh yeah. um, But I'm I'm looking at getting an an OWC like Thunderbolt three dock that will just sit there, and then if I need to travel someplace, then I'll take this little HDMI dongle. But but the full dock with lots of ports and all that stuff would be far nicer for me to have on my desk. So yeah, that's what I'm looking to do. Yeah. So that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center, uh, for the time being kind of more than than usual for me, I guess. Um, and that's it for the show. So if, if you like the show, you know, the, the best way that you can show your support for us is no matter what you hear on all of these other podcasts, Podcasts grow by word of mouth. It is the best way they grow. It's not by ratings and iTunes and all of that stuff. Those things are appreciated. But if you want to help us out, the best way you can do that is just tell your friends to check out the podcast and or maybe just steal their phone and click the subscribe button for them or get (laughs) if it's if it's an iPhone, I guess. Um, Mash the subscribe button. (laughs) Exactly. On every phone you can get your hands on. (laughs) All right. Well, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter. Richard is at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard, and the website is at DigiMediaZone. All the rest of our contact information is over at TheDigitalMediaZone.com, where you can find the show notes for this episode and links to everything uh, we talked about tonight. And then come back on typically Tuesday nights around 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, In fact, the next few weeks it's like it's gonna have to be on Tuesdays because my Wednesdays are getting pretty crazy, so Tuesday nights eight thirty p m Eastern roughly is when we record this show live on Twitch, so you can subscribe over there to get notified directly by Twitch or just follow us on Twitter and we tweet when we're going to be going live so that you can join us in the chat room and be part of the show as it's being recorded. It's a lot of fun for us. And I think it's a lot of fun for you too. So hopefully we will see you back next week. Cause that's going to do it for episode 570. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to entertainment 2.0. Adios.
1: Goodbye.